This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. notes that you received when you walked in. If you'd like, they'll be helpful for you. There's Bibles located in the seats in front of you if you'd like to follow along. My name's Paul. I'm the teacher, pastor here at House on the Rock. To our guests, a very special hello. Thank you for being with us this morning. Have you ever had a God question? Oh, yeah. Not just a God-sized question, but a question specifically for God. God, I have a question. God, I would like to know about this. God, I don't understand about this. God, why this? Any of you can relate? Anyone, anyone got a question? Got a God question? Yeah. Today we're going to hear about someone who had a real question. And the question in essence went like this. God, Jesus, are you the one who can fix this? Are you the one, Jesus, who can fix this? Because I'm in a hot mess. We are in a hot mess. Jesus, are you the one who can put the broken pieces back together again? I think that's a good question. And that's a question I have found myself asking at times. And it's normally after I have broken something. God, can, are you able? Are you able to put these pieces back together again? Where he, we have been for the last couple weeks, if you're just joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series learning how God heals and that God heals. Specifically, physically heals us. And maybe you didn't know that about God, that God actually heals us. The first week we learned about God's faithful to his promises. He's, he's free to do what is best. Last week we learned that God wants to heal the whole you. Not just part of you, not just a piece of you. He wants to put the whole thing back together again. As sin and brokenness and death and fear and doubt in the world has taken the pieces apart, Jesus comes along and says, I want to put that back, the whole thing. Stop taking apart what God wants to put together again. And then today, we're going to specifically drill down on why Jesus came, what Jesus came to do. So again, if you have a set of notes, they'll be helpful for you. We sometimes have fill-ins on the inside And I think this particular Sunday, I even put the main passage right there in the notes for you so you don't have to jump all over the place. We're going to start with a man who had a question. Let me read a passage for you. This is from Luke chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. Luke 7, 20 through 23. You can follow along. And when men had come to him, Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? We're going to unpack that question in a little bit. In that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, evil spirits. 
On many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go, tell John what you have seen and heard, that the blind receive their sight, lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is arriving. His arrival is the climax of the great story, the great story of God. And people have been waiting and looking. And John asks, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you the one who's going to put the pieces back together again? John's disciples, John the Baptist, his disciples, these were his followers that were learning from him, um, being taught by him. And they had seen Jesus do incredible things. If you just go backwards in the gospel according to Luke, the, the stories, Jesus raises people from the dead. Jesus is healing people's brokenness. And the disciples see this. They run back and they report back to John the Baptist. Like, hey, we saw this guy. And he's healing people. And he's raising people up. And he's doing all these crazy things. And this fires something off in John's imagination. And John, so John sends his disciples back. says, ask him this question. Are you the one that we've been waiting for? The great story of God, and I've taught this before and, and, and pray that it kind of gets its way into its imagination, in your imagination, has major movements to it. If you were to kind of take the Bible and break it down into chunks, understandable chunks, where does the story start? Well, the story starts with this beautiful invitation from God to humanity. Hey, rule with me. Let's create something together. Let's do something amazing together. That's what Genesis 1 and 2, we see that, right? The invitation of humanity to be God's representation here on earth. God's like, I got this whole thing called the cosmos. I'm placing you here as my representatives, as my ambassadors, my creative agents. I'm going to share my sovereignty with you. You rule down here. This is a beautiful, amazing thing. But man, we just can't hold on to a good thing very long, can we? Like, it's just like the human nature. Man, if we can screw this thing up, we're going to screw it up. And sure enough, very quickly into the story, we read about treason. We turn from God. We walk from God. We run from God. And God sends us out, casts us out into the broken world of our own making. Very quickly in the story, you read about brothers killing brothers. Clans turning against clans. Driving to this ultimate example of treason and debauchery. As men bring, build a tower and say, you know what, let's climb up and say hi to God and do it on our own terms. And into that God begins this beautiful story of restoration. With a man named Adam and a family and a promise that he's going to put all the things back together again. And there's this slow crawl to restoration as you read the Old Testament. But instead of Israel being part of the solution, Abraham's family, what does Israel become? Israel becomes a picture of the greater problem. They don't become the agents of restoration. They become just greater agents of corruption and brokenness. Priests that are supposed to help lead people astray. Kings that are supposed to lead, lead people into further sin and fallenness. Every now and then a prophet will walk in town. Hey, God's going to make everything right. God wants to make everything right. But the corruption is everywhere. The corruption's on an individual level. The corruption's on a national level. 
But as we look at the words of the prophets, there's this, this message that in the midst of this story of chaos, one is going to come who's going to make everything right again. There's going to be this new age, a day of God's favor. Humanity will be restored from the corruption of sin and death. And so that's the story that's in the back of John's mind. That's the reason he asks this question. God promised us that someone was going to come and make the mess right again. Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Now, as you go through that passage in Luke 7, as you look at that, in Jesus' response, we see Jesus kind of rattle off a, a list. And to our minds, it's a list. Well, you know, blind can see and the deaf can hear and the dead are raised. Right? That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool list. That's a great shopping list. That's an excellent list. But that's not really what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is spotlighting key passages in the Old Testament. Passages that John would have known. That take John's imagination back to the greater story. And this is how Jesus answers John's question. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to say a bunch of movie quotes. I want you guys to finish them, Okay. You guys ready? You guys can do this. I, I, all I did was I went online, I typed in greatest movie quotes of all time. I am confident that you guys can get a lot of these. Already? You ready? Mama always said life was like a... You guys are good. You guys are good. You guys are good. Houston, we have a... There's no crying in... <laughs> I didn't know if you guys would get that one or not. You guys did that was awesome. I'm going to make him an offer. He, wow, you guys, you guys have watched a lot of TV. Um, you're going to need a bigger. Nice. That one was a, that's Jaws. That's Jaws. If you guys didn't know that one, yeah. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. <laughs> oh, Hensley in the back. You way to rep. That's, that's, that's good. That's excellent. That's excellent. May the force. Good. Lions and tigers and. Wow, you good. You'll shoot your. <laughs> you can't handle. Wow. All right, I'm going to name off some Bible verses. I want you guys to finish up. Isn't that crazy? All I had to do was give you four or five words. Out of nowhere, and you were imme immediately your imagination was transported back to the Wizard of Oz or to A Few Good Men or to The Princess Bride, whatever it was. All I had to do was give you those four words and it immediately transported you and you could complete it. You knew what was going on in the story. That's what Jesus is doing in this list in Luke chapter seven. He's not just spouting off miracles that he's done. What Jesus is actually doing is he's hyperlinking back to big promises, specifically in the book of Isaiah. So that when John is told, hey, Jesus told us to tell you this, that the blind see and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have good news preached to them, all of a sudden John's memory and mind is flooded with these promises from the book of Isaiah, specifically chapter 29 and chapter 35, chapter 53 that we looked at last week, chapter 61. Jesus is tapping into John's memory of the story of promise. And in these passages, what's going on is the world has really fallen apart. 
Israel has really strayed. The nation has been compromised. Foreign countries and armies are sweeping in to destroy and to attack. And in the middle of that, God says, I will come and set my people free. And the blind will see. And the deaf will hear. The dead will be raised again. The poor will have good news preached to them. So it's not just Jesus spouting off a list. It's Jesus tapping into the great story. And then right in front of the very eyes of John's disciples saying, look, as he heals the blind, as he heals the deaf, as the lame walk, as the poor hear the good news. All of this highlighting and Jesus bringing all this to his attention of John. Jesus' introductory message, when Jesus first steps into the scene, his very first sermon, his very first way of saying, hey, here I am, here I am, it comes out of, uh, it's, it's quoted in Luke chapter 4, let me read it for you. This is his resume, if you will, his, his mortarboard, this is his resume, his job description. Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? to proclaim good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he says, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. That's Jesus again. He's throwing back to these, these promises in Isaiah where we're told in the story, someone's going to come who can make all of this right. Someone's coming who can fix what is wrong. I've always loved that passage in Luke chapter 4, but there's a part of it I've always kind of skipped over just because it doesn't mean anything to me as a Gentile, as someone who's not a Jew. And it's at the end where he says he's proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. You're like, okay, whatever. But again, that's Jesus throwing back to an Old Testament promise that really helps us understand Jesus' work in ministry to us today, I think. In Leviticus 25, this is another book in the Old Testament, God builds a reset into the nation of Israel. Every 50 years, they were to have what's called a year of jubilee. It was an economic reset. It was a restoration. Any land that had been sold throughout the last 50-year period had to go back to the original clan that owned it. Slaves had to be set free. You were not allowed to work the land. God just promised, hey, you don't have to work the land. I'm just going to grow the crops on my own. Brian, could you imagine that? Uh, you don't have to plant anything. You don't have to harvest anything. You don't have to fertilize anything. You don't have to break up the land. God just says, you stay home. You rest. I will make the beans grow. How would that feel? That would feel real good, wouldn't it? I will make the corn grow. I will make the apples grow. You don't have to work it. I will shower you with my blessing. And this was to happen every 50 years. And it started on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement happened every year. It was the big spiritual reset for the tabernacle, for the temple, where all of a sudden it was spiritually cleansed from whatever infection there was from sin. It was the reboot, the relaunch but starting on this day, God says, I'm going to do a bigger reset. I'm going to put all the pieces back together again. If you've lost land, you get your land back. 
If you have found yourself in chains and in a slave, you're to be set free. You don't have to work it. I'm going to give it to you. Israel, I'm putting the pieces back together again. And this would happen in everyone's lifetime. It happened every 50 years. Everyone got to experience what it meant for God to say, I'm putting the pieces back together again. That is what Jesus is proclaiming when he says, I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor was the year of Jubilee. And historians who go back and kind of count things and like to count things, you know, they say, they're pretty sure that when Jesus stood up in the synagogue to proclaim this sermon, it was a year of Jubilee. But this was a nation that had been wrecked by slavery, oppression. Rome was ruling and reigning. There was a false lord upon the throne, the emperor, who said he was the son of God. There was a false good news being proclaimed throughout all the land. Just follow Rome. Rome will help you. Hey, we're the government. We're here to help. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what we then see him do is what? Soul after soul, story after story, town after town. What does Jesus do? He's putting the pieces back together again. A great summary of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4 says this. Every now and then Matthew would kind of do a reset. He'd catch you up. He'd break up the, the story like into big chapters. And in between each chapter, he'd kind of give a summary of what's going on. And this is how he describes Jesus' ministry. This is Matthew 4, 23 through 25. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That means God's victory and better news. Healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And they brought him all the sick and those who were afflicted of various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from all of Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. So back to where we started. John, John's disciples say, hey, we've heard a guy and he's doing these things. And so John asks, are you the one we've been waiting for to put all the pieces back together again? Are you the answer to our question and our hunger? And the disciples of John asked this, and look, look exactly what Jesus does. I'm going to take you back in your, in your passage, in your notes. Okay, Luke 7, 21. They ask him, are you the one we've been waiting for? And it says, in that hour, in that moment, in that second, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits on many who were blind, and he bestowed sight. And then he answered them, go tell John, what you've seen and what you've heard. What does this mean concerning our discussion of physical healing? How does God, does God do that? Well, we really need God again to, to heal our understanding of how much God really cares for us. So in your notes, maybe a couple things to write down to help you put things in perspective. The first one is this. The presence of God's doctor is seen and heard. The presence of God's doctor, God's healer, 
is seen and heard. Write that down in your notes. Because that's what Jesus says to the disciples. Hey, go tell John what you have seen, what you have heard. It's tangible. You can put your finger on it. You can count it. You can measure it. You see it. You hear it. Imagine you're at my house. My wife will say this, or I'll say this. Hey, the mailman's been here. How do we know that the mailman's been here? We have the what? We have the mail. You can touch the mail. We know that the mailman has been here because we have the mail in our hands. Hey, Amazon's been here. Woot, woot. Yeah. How do, you, how do we know that Amazon's been here? What, what's on the front stoop? A lot of boxes. I know, I know. It's so bad, isn't it? I'm trying to get help. You can get it delivered today. Well, of course I can. <laughs> do you want it now? Yes, I do. <laughs> how do I know that Amazon has been here? The boxes are there. I can see them. I can touch them. It's tangible. The proof is right there. The restoring work of God, you can see and you can touch. You can hear. No, why? We are seeable, touchable, tangible, earthy dirt bags. That's what we are. I'm not saying it in a negative way, but what did God make us out of? What are we made out of? We're made out of dirt. And so if God is going to touch us and heal us and restore us, you're going to be able to see it and touch it. Why? Because we're seeable and touchable. We're tangible things that can actually be put back together again. And it shouldn't freak us out. It's just God doing what he said and promised that he would do. So beware separating and breaking apart that which God said he's going to put back together again. Healing the whole soul is the gospel mission. Physical healing is an expression of that mission. That Jesus' kingdom is bursting in. You can see it. You can hear it. Life is winning over death. Let's, let's use our imagination for a little bit. Imagine if we came into town after Jesus had been there. Okay? So whether it's, you know, Piqua or Troy or wherever you might live, Bradford, imagine you're walking into town the day after Jesus had been there. Okay. It's Jerusalem, it's the Decapolis, it's Judea, it's whatever those cities that were listed back then. And you've been traveling for a long time, and it's lunchtime, and you heard that this burger joint's a really good burger joint, and you want yourself a burger and onion rings, real onion rings, not the fake onion rings where they kind of, you know, squeeze out onion guts into a circle and then deep fry. You want real onion rings where the rings have been kind of like drenched in buttermilk and flavor and then dredged and then fried. You want those onion rings in a good burger. You don't know anything about the town. You just know that you've heard that's a good place to eat, and you sit down, and you sit down. But all of a sudden, man, this place has gone nuts. It's gone crazy. Like, I mean, you can kind of smell bad gossip and, and, and that kind of talky talk. There's a buzz that you've never seen before. People are on fire. People are excited. There's life. There's joy. The waitress, she's, just, she's spilling coffee all over everyone because she's so excited. And she comes over and she's just she's filling your cup. But man, she's got the biggest smile on her face. Like, is everything? She's you're not going to believe this. My son, 
I had to fork out so much money for extra classes in special schools. You couldn't see, can't see. I was working two jobs. I was working three jobs to take care of my son. This guy walks into town, and now my son can see. And she's just from place to place to place, and she's healing. She's healing. She's just pouring coffee all over the place. She's like, this is amazing. Then all of a sudden, this big raucous goes by the front windows. There's this guy doing cartwheels down the sidewalk, and the whole crowd's just following after him, and they're cheering. And he jumps up on the bench, and he starts doing backflips. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And the guy who's sitting up on the counter says, yeah, yesterday he couldn't even walk. In fact, he's sitting in the front gate of the town his whole life. Jesus walked in, and now he can jump, and he can flip, and he can turn, and he can twist. And right in the middle of that conversation, another mom and her son walk in the front door, and everyone just goes nuts. And you're like, why is everyone going crazy? They're rushing over to the boy and they're patting his head and they're rushing over to the mom and they're giving her big hugs and then she's got tears that are falling down her face. Because yesterday morning they'd all lined out to bury him. The boy had passed away. And the mom was burying her only son. And now he's standing right there. He's standing right there. As God walked through the town and put the pieces back together again. You could touch it. You could see it. You could hear it. The whole town had been transformed because God was in the house. God's doctor, you can see when he's been there. You can hear it. It's tangible. But it's not just tangible, it's transformational. The power of God's doctor is life over death. Let's write that down too. The power of God's doctor, it's life over death. When he's present, you can touch it. You can hear it, you can see it. What does he do? He defeats death with life. That's what God does. God brings life. That's what God's doctor, Jesus, does. He brings life. Sin and death and corruption have ruled for too long. With Jesus, God is beginning the restoration of his creation. Now, this is the beginning. It's the beginning. This is very important for you to grasp, okay? Especially if you're struggling with the idea of God healing, what that looks like. The beginning of a movement. Okay, what that means is I can see where the doctor has been, but I can also see where the doctor has not yet been. Does that make sense? That means I will bump into places where the doctor has made his presence known. That means I will also bump into places the doctor hasn't touched yet. I say that because for some of you, you have been praying for God to heal. You've been asking Jesus to put the pieces back together and, and you don't understand why, why the good doctor hasn't done it yet. In fact, maybe, that's, maybe it's because the doctor doesn't do it anymore. I assure you, there is a time, God's kingdom come, where all will be healed and made right again. But we are caught in the in-between, right, Mo? We're caught in the in-between, which means I see places where the doctor has been, but there's times and places where the doctor hasn't acted yet. And it's the difference between life and death. Which means some stories end with life. And yes, some stories 
still end with death. But not forever. Right? Not forever. In my spirit, I have a spirit. You have a spirit. In my spirit, I experience the tension of both life and death. The tension of sin and victory. How many of you know that feeling? Okay. The doctor saved me and is saving me. And there will be a time when I am completely set free. Just from a show of hands and praise to our good doctor. Who here has been spiritually saved and healed? Raise your hand. It's beautiful. In my mind, I have a mind. I'm not a mind. I have a mind. I experience the tension of both life and death. I have to bring every thought captive to him. I have to have my mind renewed by the good doctor. And there will be a time when I will be free. And I will be fully alive. Just a show of hands, praise to our good doctor. Who here has been healed mentally of emotional wounds or scars, pains, addictions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In my body, I have a body. I experience the tension of both life and death. Sometimes more death than life. Because of my own choices. Not God's fault. He didn't say, eat the donut all the time, every day. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> In the same way, I ask him to heal my spirit when I seek forgiveness, and I ask him to heal my mind and renew it. I can ask him to heal my body, and I will experience the ultimate healing someday. Show of hands, just a praise to our good doctor. Who here has ever been physically healed? Yeah. Yeah. God's kingdom come within me. It's a movement of grace. Life over death. And the doctor who has begun a good work in me will see it through to completion. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24. Since he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. In two weeks, we're going to drill down on that and the implications specifically in the church. The church is the body of the great physician. And in the same way, a physical doctor uses his body to heal your body, right? His hands, his eyes, his mind, his ears, his voice. He uses his body to bring about your healing. Jesus uses his body to heal your body. And maybe for you, that's been some of the hang up in your restoration. You don't want to go to the body and ask for help. You don't want to ask Jesus' body, will you help me? But Jesus said, that's how I work. That's how I operate. At the end, Jesus makes this closing comment in that passage. He says, be careful. Do not resist. Do not be offended by. Do not push me away. Similar way in Matthew chapter 9. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. Just those who are sick. Who here isn't sick? 
who here doesn't need the touch of the good physician. So let me ask you, do you feel death? Do you feel pain? Do you feel the grief? Do you feel sadness? Or do you feel that there are places that God wants to put you back together again? Then let me again say what I've said for the last two weeks. What do you prescribe, Paul? Let God's doctor heal you. Write that down. Let God's doctor heal you. Be healed into and born into the greatest story and the only story that matters. Jesus, come and will be done here in my life as it is in heaven. If I were to recommend another book, if you want to dive deeper into healing, it's a book by a man named Francis McNutt, Ph.D., M-A-C-N-U-T-T, McNutt, called Healing. And in that he says this, Jesus did not heal people to prove he was God. He healed people because he was God. When Jesus walks into your life, what would you expect him to do? Put the pieces back together again. Artists, would you come up? Would you all tear out that connection card that's in your notes? Maybe you're not sure how to work forward or move forward on some of these things. Let's just all tear it off together. You feel the tension of death and brokenness. You feel the, the, the weight of sin. You feel corruption working its way through all of you. That's why you came this morning but you don't know what to do with it. Let the good doctor heal you. My encouragement, you take that connection card, maybe write something, hey, Paul, it's this. I'm, I'm fighting this. I'm dealing with this. I need help with this. Can, can, can Jesus help with this? You can put that in the basket during our offering time, or if you want to bring it up and set it at the cross with a stone, something, just get your body up and moving. I would encourage you to do that. Would we stand together? And as an act of faith, just on your part, anyone just, just a simple, just a simple thing, saying, I have things I need Jesus to put back together again. Anyone raising your hand? You have some things? That, yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to ask and we're going to present ourselves to the good father. And we're going to ask that Jesus would heal and we're going to ask that Jesus would restore, that Jesus would forgive, that Jesus would make right. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, 
That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.